Welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. My guest today, um, you know him. We had him in here before and I had him back because I think he's probably the best person to talk about, talk to about what we're going to talk about. Um, the subject today is grief. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> it's like a cool hip topic. All the kids are talking about grief, <laughs> how shitty it feels to be sad. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's get into this. You love modest mouse like I love modest mouse. I do like them quite a really? bit. Yeah, I mean they're very good. They're good for when I'm depressed. I, I immediately my unconscious like matches whatever it is that guy is. <laughs> I doing. realized in my car yesterday that I was like, I don't have any pick me up music in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm in a good mood, I don't have right. a, anything. I don't have any songs I can. <laughs> Be like, I'm feeling good. Like I can't. There's no dance yeah. hits in my phone. There's no walking on sunshine. Nope. In your catalog. Nope. Pyt. No happy. Nothing. Pyt. Nothing. <laughs> None of that shit. Oh wait a minute. You know, I have one song. I actually, I have one song. So funny. <laughs> and this is. I've copped to this a million times. It's probably the song. And I don't even say like, oh, it's a bad song because I love it too much. But other people will say it's like the worst song ever. I love Rusted Roots. Send me on my way. I don't even know what that is. You do. You've what? heard it. If Can you've you been, sing it. I mean, no, I can't. I can't. Rested. Okay, I'll look it up. It's like a song you've heard at the airport. It was like oh, Southwest God. commercial jingle. Uh, Is it one of those songs that sounds like every ni- song? No, no, it's a nineties hippie song. Okay, here they it were goes. like fake hippies. They're from Pittsburgh, but they all look like they live in Taos, New okay, Mexico. Taos. 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 Hold on, it's on a stupid commercial. They put a commercial on every fucking thing. Yeah, it sounds like Peter Gabriel. Oh my way! Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I like that. It's so good. Yeah. I wa- I went like into a K hole one weekend where I just was watching footage of Rusted Root and like wondering where they were. Oh, this oh, is a sorry, live sorry. version. Hold on, hold on. No, we're still doing Modest Mouse. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like if you've been to a hockey game, you hear it. It's Southwest Airlines like 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's corporate now. It's very corporate. Yeah. And thank God, because if it wasn't, nothing would be keeping Rusted Root afloat. Are they still around, you think? The last video I could find was like a, a, a show from like 2013. It looked like it was at a bar. And they were, Smart guys. They were slowing down this song to play it live, because I think most people were there to see Send Me On My Way. I, I, think to, I thought Talking Heads did this. That's why I didn't oh, okay. know. It sounds like... David Byrne too? Yeah. His way there. But like in the video, are you watching the video? Yeah, it's horrible. But they're just like dancing in the desert, yeah. having the time of their lives. Terrible. Yeah. There's like 15 people in the band. Yeah. They probably made no money. Oh, no. No, you can't have 15. Because they shared it. Yeah, no. But they probably toured for two years and had the greatest time of their lives. Yeah, because they're not that cute. They're, no, the one, they're not they're good gr- looking. There's a woman in the band who's really cute, but she, yeah. I think she just sang back up and hit a bongo drum. <laughs> like, that's the kind of openness that was that's hilarious. <laughs> rusted root. Yeah, you can't do too many people. Like the Wu-Tang Clan, none of no, them have they all money. Go broke. Yeah, you got you to gotta keep it to like two or three dudes or yeah. whatever. That and like then... polyphonic spree shit, like they're all probably eking out on like 60 grand a year. <laughs> It's too hard. So you don't have anything positive. I um I recently downloaded uh there's songs that I've been that I have to play in order to access feelings because right. I'm not very good with them. No, yeah, I yeah. Don't like them. And um there's a few like John Lennon mm-hmm. makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Olivia Newton John for some Okay. <laughs> Let's get I, physical. No, not that. <laughs> There's a song about some angel that watches you, and I I was getting my eyebrows tweezed, <laughs> and it came on in the salon, and I thought, oh my, I gotta download this, and I got in my car, and I, here, let me find. It. Are you ready? Let's get sad. Let's access our grief. <laughs> let me find her. Hold on. It's a. It's not a bad song. There's like a Leonard Cohen song that. Oh, Leonard Jeff Cohen. Jeff Buckley covered. He makes it's me cry. fucking so, and they used it on the West Wing. When Mark Harmon dies, God. it's so sad. Alice and Janney's weeping in the street. Oh. Too much. So here we go. This song. Have you heard this? No, oh. but it's pretty sexy. She's sexy. She's amazing. Oh, the Let's Get Physical video was like the first time as a child I was like, oh, girls. Boners, yeah. Boners for real. Yeah, I, that, I learned about sex, I think, through that video too. I was like, whoa. Oh, I know this song. Grease, yeah. gr- between Grease and Let's Get Physical, I was like, oh, she's the hottest woman in the world. Yeah, and she really was. This, oh. this was her time. Yeah. She's beautiful. Oh, dude, she was smoking hot. I'm sure she still is. She's yeah, she still is. I see, I've seen pictures of her occasionally. She's still a very attractive woman. Yeah. She's not 20, though, you know? <laughs> dude, that puss is probably a mess. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses, ladies. <laughs> I pumped out a couple kids. No so ex- fat. No uh, excuses, ladies. That's my favorite. You should get back into shape immediately. <laughs> having a child. Yeah, they're sh- they're fat shaming Kim Kardashian now again for being pregnant, which is fun. Uh, but anyway, so that's my sad song, and I listen to that, and I cry uh, about my mom in the car. It's funny. I cry about m- my mother died in July, and mm. I cry about her. Um, it's safe for me in the car for some reason because you know like there's a destination and you can just be like I gotta stop at some point like (laughs) I'm not gonna be doing this in the drive-thru yeah (laughs) I'm a Carl's Jr. yeah um, but anyway, listen, I know I talked about my mom's death uh, a couple episodes back, but I, I wanted to address grief in particular because I did get an email about it before my mom died, which was kind of spooky. And people on Twitter were like, hey, is your mom actually dead physically or just dead to you? Like someone asked me yeah. that right before she passed. And I was like, dude, 
it's kind of an omen. It kind of, you know, unconsciously, everybody knows everything, I believe. We're all connected. There's in some a weird way sense that I, there is a weird sense out there that people tap into. I think so. I, I, I think I was preparing myself unconsciously for some, some way right. by reading. You know, you pick up on those things. I wonder if it's like, just oh. that stuff is like gaps in normalcy that people are like, wait, the timing of things gets off and they're like, wait, like three things that normally happen haven't happened. Why is that? And that's how they, that sense starts like to come Like a glitch in the matrix? A little bit. Like when you <laughs> normally get a text from someone in your life at a right. certain interval. And yes, you're like, yes. Huh. And then it's just like there's a, there's a gap in the kind of normal order. That's exactly right. And you're like, yeah, things are out of sort and your unconscious yeah. brain probably picks up. So my friend Bill posted this on uh, Facebook and this is like a week ago and it just occurred to me that people people grieve for things every day. It's not just death. It's not just the loss of a human. We have losses mo- every day. There's people. I mean, um, people having miscarriages. People yeah. losing I don't, money. I know this is not as big of a deal, but whatever. We have minor losses every day. So, this is from a friend, uh, Bill, and he wrote. I can't address each of you personally, of course, but I wanted to say many of you are incredible heroes to me. Some of you are suffering ill health or love someone who is. Some of you bravely cope. Well, look at this asshole with his car alarm. Some of you bravely cope with daily work and family problems that would stagger a lesser person. Some of you are dealing with a recent loss. Some of you I know deeply and personally. Others share a common past. New souls I've met here assure me that there are no real strangers here, just friends I haven't met face-to-face yet. We have more in common than we could ever know. Ram Dass said it best. We are all just walking each other home. I thought, God, it's so true. It's, it's, you don't even know what the fuck people deal with yeah, on no. a daily basis. And, ev- and everyone is dealing with something. That's the thing. Yeah. There's no one out there that's dealing with nothing. Mm-hmm. That's, there's literally no way. Right. The best way to stop being mad at someone is just like talk to them for a minute. Yeah. It takes a little while and you're like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Fine. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. You're fucked up. I totally get why you just did that thing. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, it is pretty. It's, and grief is so, you know, that's the thing when you, when you have like a death, it tends to like make you feel kind of alone and like singular. Yes. But it's just about, it's the most common thing. <laughs> death is so incredibly, I, I was thinking about this actually. Grief is such a, a prevailing problem that humans have had to deal with we invented religion oh wow yeah there you go i mean like it was like if i think humans were like this is too (laughs) this is a bit too jagged of a pill to swallow here our own mortality other people's mortality if if, and especially when you think about how much easier people used to die and how much younger and for i mean 35 you you have a paper cut in the jungle like i mean you (laughs) people were dying of like the most common shit all the time yeah Yeah. (laughs) just <laughs> he got the wetness. Yeah. Like, you know? Well, like if you watch those old movies, like if, that are in like England yeah. in the eighteen hundreds, like if you if a woman got upset and ran outside in the rain, she died ten days later. Sure, she laid in bed and sure. sh- and shivered, and then sh- and, and they would just like she'd be drinking tea, and they'd be like, "Not long now," and then yeah. she'd fucking die. Well, there's no penicillin. There was no, no there antiseptics was yeah. until I don't nineteen hundred or I yeah. don't fucking know. Uh, but yes, you're right. And and people lost children constantly. Mm-hmm. Spouses were lost to wars or all the. Time. whatever plague you're dead gone all the time so it was like so prevalent they had to be like we need to come up with something uh wait a minute this can't be the end this can't be it this Mm. can't be how this can't be the only thing because it's too bad all the time yeah it's so horrible i mean grief is so relative too like i remember it was like a 
an American soldier died in like I want to say Somalia or something. This is maybe over a decade ago when there was a conflict there. They drug they drug him through the streets. Oh yeah, I remember. And they that. were and and our media was like, "That's so brutal." And they were like, "Uh, you think death is brutal?" Right. They're like, "Oh, okay. Just so you know, someone we love dies every day, mm-hmm. all the time. So death to us is just like and because people were kind of laughing, the the people that were around the thing, and they were like, "Yeah, you guys, you guys have been killing us wholesale forever. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, sorry, one of your guys, you lost one of your guys. Yeah. Like dr- grief to them is completely different. Mm-hmm. And you see, I think you see." places and people that have to deal with that level of death on a regular basis they become fervently religious yes because yes. what's the alternative well i honestly i was more spiritual i'm not a real i'm catholic by tradition but i was a spiritual person and then i kind of lost it mm-hmm. during this whole fiasco with my mom like i kind of found it really hard to sit and meditate to sit and connect to pray to something and I don't, I don't know what that is, but I, I think it's kind of the when, when something happens so recently. I think the inherent chaoticness and unfairness of life is a little bigger than someone's sense of wanting to feel better about it. You're just like it's too it's new. overwhelming. It's yeah. overwhelming. That's yeah. the the thing about grief is it's overwhelming. Yes, yeah, and you yeah. can't. It's one of those things like you know what you should be doing or could be doing to like make it better, but you just kind of can't. You can't, but how do you, how do you, and you want it to go, I want it to go faster. I want to yeah. get through these dumb stages of grief, um, but you can't. It, no. Ugh, and so if annoying. you rush it, you just do it wrong. Oh, so annoying. And I mean, I don't know that I'm, I'm not like, I don't know that I've done it right or am even done or even addressed it. All well, I, hold know. on. Let's tell our listeners, first of all, uh, what happened? What's your story? Oh, okay. So that my for those who don't know, you. father died seven years ago. He he got lost hiking and froze to death. And uh, they there was like a search. They couldn't find him for you know ten days, and they had to call off the search. And then like three months later, hikers found his body or what was left of his body. Most of it had been like eaten by animals and whatnot. So there was like clothes and stuff like that. So. And that's that's how that that's it. That's how that's my, my story. That's and how my father died. That's and that's the it's wild. That yeah, is it's a, odd. That is um that's the horrible wild thing and very isolating. I imagine it's not like you can go to a friend and be like, "Hey, wait a minute, your dad was hiking too and got eaten <laughs> by animals. How do you feel?" It's yeah. not like you have a commonality of experience. Like my mother was schizophrenic, and there's a lot of people that had mentally ill parents, and I feel like. I can read a book about it. I can kind yeah. of connect to someone about it. But do you feel more isolated because it was such a weird, freakish it does thing? Feel, it feels weird. It is weird because I like contextualize it in, in almost like because I know it's like a weird, wacky story. Like I, you know, I know enough about like I've seen enough things to know like, like when, when people are like talking about how th- people die, I'm like, oh, I should probably wait to the end because mine's a solid closer. <laughs> Yeah, like I should, you guys, well, you, you want me, you're going to want me to go last. Right. And yeah, right. That's how I feel when people are like, my family's dysfunctional. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Hold on. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like yeah. It, it, it did make me feel odd, made me feel like odd and kind of, uh, in not, and not in a good way, not like unique in a fun way. No. But just like, it takes more explanation to like, and people like I know, you know, it's not just like oh, I'm so sorry. They're like, whoa, because the story is so fin- so fantastical and bizarro. Yeah, 
And also what you said earlier about loneliness. There's this weird inherent loneliness to grief that you can kind of tell people how you feel, but it's your burden. It's almost like you have to carry this yeah. thing through. And um, it's I, I think I um, relate to it at this point in reference to how it affects the people around me. Mm. That's where that's why and I'm sort of used to it as much as I think I can be at this point. But what bothers me is how it affects like the people around me or close to me. Like if I'm like dating someone like one if I'm having a rough patch, I I kind of am just like, man, this is a fucking bummer for you. <laughs> like you can't I can't really fix it fast yeah. and you love me, so you're sort of stuck here. It's just like because it's unlucky. Because what what do you mean? Like you have a hard time telling. Or can, well, like I can't. Bad days or? Yeah, if it's a bad day, there's yeah. not. You can explain to why. You can explain to them why it's happening or what's going on, and they're, they'll be like, "Yeah, I get that," but it doesn't make it any more fun or easier. It just it's like a hard, and it is like it is unlucky. It's like yes. your mom being schizophrenic is unlucky. Yes, you didn't create it. She didn't want it. Like yeah, my dad dying that way is 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 unlucky. There is an inherent kind of like chaos to the way the universe works somehow and every once in a while and p- there are people that are way unluckier than me like oh, we yeah. could be doing this podcast in in like haiti oh, but location alone look we're yeah. white we're <laughs> yeah. white we're in uh, an amazing neighborhood right now yeah. like yeah so like please. that's the thing but there are you know so you're kind of you i feel i have find myself just feeling guilt towards mm. the people in my life who have to deal with me when i'm going through a rough patch and you don't you don't feel that they want to help you? They do, but since I, at least in my personal opinion, feel like there's not a whole lot they can do, I'm like, you're just going to be frustrated by this because mm. they're because the I fi- fixing that or not fixing it, but like having that. If you can figure out a way to get better, they're they're it's the big. These are big questions. They aren't like go to the gym. Like, yeah, like, these are the big question. The problem with the big questions is. When the answer's not what you wanted, there's there's no silver lining. No. There just isn't. And that's really hard to swallow. So I almost want to protect the other people in my life from it. It's like, okay, I'll, I'm dealing with this because it, you know, it was an unlucky thing. But I want to protect you from having to deal with it. I don't want to like... Mm. I always like... The way I describe my dad's death, I've, I've gotten it down to like 11 words. Because I always feel like, especially when I'm dating someone new, I'm like, I'm about to give you a bummer. Yeah. That now you look right. now like they, they're always like, ah, oh, oh my, <laughs> that's so. And I'm like, yeah. Do you want to go eat? Like I just want to like, <laughs> and I want to be like, yeah. no, no, no. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, I'm okay with it somewhat. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what I just said, and I understand how you feel about what I just said. And they, they don't want to like go past it. They want to like give it the proper amount of respect. But I'm like, no, we don't have to do that. Like yeah. I get it. So I don't tend to want to be like, yeah, let's get into the super real. Because why do you want to give someone else a piece of the bad thing that you have to deal with through no fault of your own? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Because I feel a burden of that too. Like the story of my mother and I is it's the one thing in my psyche that's never going to be okay. Yeah. It fucked me up. It's going to fuck me up. It's my thing. It's my bag of karmic stuff that I deal with. Everyone has their bag. That's my bag. And I feel like with my husband, we've been together for 10 years and he's had a front row seat to all this drama over the years. And I'm so thankful that he's like really still compassionate, but it kind of helps to, to, to share it with him, at least as a witness to, to what, cause what we both went through, it's so fucking freakish and weird. It feels for me anyways, 
the freakishness of my experience and to have someone else like I took my husband to my mom's apartment and we cleaned it out and showed him she listened to our podcasts and took notes and was like listening for secret messages yeah. for years and Yikes. kept a file on my husband and found pictures of him on Twitter with other women like fans or whatever mm-hmm. and then would like collect evidence against him and just to have someone see it and go and for me that's important to be like see I wasn't crazy all yeah. this time like yeah 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 because as a kid of a child of someone who's mentally ill you often people yeah. don't believe you because they can act kind of normal in public and you're like no I'm telling you something's wrong and you probably fear your own DNA in a weird way of course well yeah I bet I see a shrink every week so I know <laughs> yeah. that I'm okay <laughs> yeah you do you no but a close do. friend of mine's mom is really messed up and 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 she struggles with just the notion of wanting to have kids she's like I don't. oh i'd struggle forever yeah just like what if i you know what if i'm an asshole mom what if i'm yeah. my mom or just pass on a piece of it that you can't control oh for sure yeah well, too late now <laughs> it's cooking but no it is important i will say that the i remember once i don't think neil brennan didn't know how it happened and i and i told him he was like yeah man that's just odd and i was <laughs> like it you know, Neil's incredibly smart, so to have mm-hmm. someone be like, acknowledge like how fucking weird that is, and just a really normal way that a comedian were like, that's fucking super weird, dude. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's like super weird, but like I don't like it. I don't know what to do with it being weird. Like, should I like wear different clothes? Like, I don't know. Like, what's the practical application of yeah. having a really weird thing happen to you? Yeah, I know. You I mean, mean, how do you? Is it? When you think about your mom's disease, does it does it kind of make it easier to like let her off the hook a little? Totally. Like I see her now as just a damaged person, as a really sick person, yeah. and not as a bad mommy. And that's the struggle too, because you're like, oh, your child brain sees it one way, and then the adult brain. Because I mean, another. I know tons of people that have a- had asshole parents and they die, and I think. Because there's that, that notion that like an absence is still a presence. Like you didn't have the mom that a lot of people get. You didn't have like someone to like give you tools and teach you how to <laughs> go through that shit or go through life. You didn't learn the things that most people learn from their mom. So like I almost think when someone – a lot of people I think make the mistake of thinking when someone's shitty or someone you had trouble with passes away, like it's going to get easier. But I mm. think there's an inherent – sadness like oh so now i know it's never gonna get better yeah like there's that yes the thing of go i never i'm never gonna have a normal mom right the fantasy goes away entirely of it being a possibility you're an adult but then i'm my own i'm my own person now like i'm i kind of see myself as this adult like i'm about to have my own child so it's kind of liberating hmm, to be an orphan there's (laughs) a terrible saying that i heard years ago actually my friend told me he heard it from reba reba mcintyre love reba mcintyre yeah, she seems to get it like her whole band died in a plane crash well like she went ahead to do know. press her whole band died in a plane crash wow yes she's seen some shit like she she gets it and she was like you're not a real man till your father dies i was like ow wow that's awful but i think for women it might be when your mom dies yeah because no one's gonna take care of you know you're nobody's baby there's no safety net left yeah. you're like oh it's just i'm the last line of defense here that I wonder, I mean, I feel like because I didn't really like my mom, I didn't really enjoy being in her space. That right. The grieving process for me has been not, I mean, it's not ever easy, but it's just different because you liked your dad, right? Like, Yeah, my dad him. was like like a borderline heroic, mm. which like made it, 
it made it like worse and better. Like, you know, there wasn't any like, there was no one like, well, at least now you're not going to get those weird phone calls at night. Like there wasn't any of that. <laughs> right. It was just like, like wow, that was, that was a good dude. And now he's yeah. not like, he was just, you know, he was like an elementary school teacher and, and was just a fucking, my dad, I've never met anyone who did less things wrong. Like he was just a by the book, straight laced, extremely nerdy person <laughs> who like would show up on Saturdays at the elementary school he worked at and p- repaint the lines on the on the blacktop, even though no one fucking asked him to. Like just shit. Like like my mom actually told me something about him that's so funny to me. He she found she was cleaning out some old stuff and found like I don't know a notebook of his. And this is probably when he was about forty ish. He'd written, "Learn to appreciate music." <laughs> like he Aww. was so by like, my that's the weirdest thing about him and i thought about there was never music on in the car ever he just didn't can you imagine being like what's this music people like so much <laughs> learn to just all music yeah too. just like anything like Aww. the beatles he was in high school when the beatles were a thing and was like i don't get it like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he was so nerdy but just like the nicest human my grandparents are the same way just these nice polite sweet people who didn't have a bad word to say about anybody. So there is like he, him dying was just like, it was hard to find any kind of like, you could see people struggling to be like, he loved to hike. And so that, and I'm like, Nope, no, <laughs> sorry. He didn't love to hike terrified. <laughs> like he didn't like to hike terrified and wet. Like right. that was not his shit. So like, I know what we're right. trying to do here. Right. I feel like it's failing. <laughs> like it was, I'm I'm probably I was hands down the most cynical fucker at the funeral for sure. So when people were like, he always wanted to go, I'm like, definitely not. He definitely didn't want not want to die having slipped and fell in the snow and hit his head. Like this was not the shit. But yeah, it's I I I really think about that all the time. The way people relate to their relationship with their families when they die. Well, that's a evil. Yeah, it's weird. I think it just affects the kind of guilt you feel. Yeah. But do you feel a little bit of like relief in just the, it's like a relief from the day-to-day stress? Yeah. No, it's a tremendous relief. When when a, a crummy parent or a distressed parent is gone, it's secretly a huge relief. It's yeah. just like a quiet. Yeah. You're just like, I know she's not listening to this right now because she used to listen. <laughs> no, and yeah. Twitter, she would follow me and and seeing her writing and her how her brain worked, it it was horrible and i'm glad that 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 pain that her pain's gone and my paranoia about her fault you know and yeah. just knowing that i can't do shit about it and, and it's done thank god yeah it's hard to let go of stressful people while they're alive because no, they're still the there they can still like the worst. it's like having an ex or something where you're just like <sighs> i know it's like when you finally like break away from them and you're like <laughs> oh <laughs> like what a <laughs> fucking relief i feel yeah. right now no it's totally uh it's a total relief i was watching this reality show below deck do you ever seen that one no. i love these stupid shows and uh this girl on the boat her dad died <laughs> and she gets a text message about it from her brother and she's like you know normally uh just so you know my dad's kind of an asshole so yeah. he was a drunk and he you know abused us so eh, he's dead yeah and i totally had the same reaction that she did when i heard I was like, well, we've got to do a comedy show tomorrow. So, I mean, like, I d- it didn't even process for a while. Yeah. Because you're in shock. Um, but do you, do you, so how long, I just remember when I had to, I had to do everything from like going to the mortuary because I was the only living person. 
Like, how surreal is it when, when it first happens? Well, I didn't have anything to do at first because they couldn't find his body. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when they were... When we when I went up there, like, as soon as he went missing, I went up there. Me and my stepmom were kind of, like, in not in charge, but, like, we'd get all the information first. Like, we'd get a call, like, come to the sheriff's station, and we'd go down there, and they'd be like, here's the areas we're looking. And so it was, like... It was like the most adult, that was like the most adult thing I've ever done, where it was like, you have to, like, you two have to give us permission to stop searching, or you guys have to give us permission. It was like that, oh. that next of kin shit. Yeah. And the, and the, one of the main, the guy that was in charge of the search, or the two guys, like, they wanted to talk to me a lot about, like, where would you go if you went this way? Which, because they knew, they got the sense that, like, anything I knew about hiking or the wilderness i learned from him Mm -hmm. so i would be this weird like window into what he would do so they'd be like would you go would you think you'd be more interested in going this way or this way or this way or this way and it was like this odd responsibility that i felt like in charge of stuff Mm. and it, it was in a very small little town so after like two days we were famous right like amongst this like 400 person little area mm-hmm. so like if i walked to the store it was like it was like like i was some weird floating ghost mm-hmm. that people were like do you see him like you know it was like that and that you people were like hi like well we went to the store and bought like food and they didn't charge us oh wow and like you know his picture was taped to the door Ugh. of the convenience store is that better or worse Okay, I yeah. use I use that particular moment of because they also like uh, the new local news came up and I and I was on a oh I was working at the time for NBC I was on <laughs> I was working on the Knight Rider TV movie mm. yeah no big deal and uh, <laughs> it's actually a really big deal and but so the local NBC affiliate was like kind of like horny to talk to me <laughs> about and so I used that I, like as a means to really like uh, punish myself I was like hey asshole you always wanted to be on TV. You're on TV now, you piece of shit. Oh, like, like right. oh, look at you, look at you, like getting all this attention. You fucking guard, like, like that. Uh, it like it made me feel really bad at the same, like being the one they wanted to talk to because I was. Yeah. It wasn't like super gross, but it was kind of gross because, like, you know, the guy was like, "Well, thanks for talking to us," and hey, man, I can't wait to see the thing. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, right." <laughs> like totally. you're doing promo. For yeah, your it was show. like I was doing press, <laughs> and uh, that felt like really odd and awful. But you still, it, it was still the, like, um, the structure of getting attention. Yeah. So you kind of miss. Right. But yeah, I, so I didn't have, I didn't, there wasn't a lot to do except be the person people talked to. Which is hard. Yeah, it was hard because it's, it's weird because I'm such a, I want to please people so inherently that I'd be like, like at some point I gave a speech to all the searchers like thanking them and, or something because I was like, I should do this. And, I, and afterwards I was like, why like, like, and and then my my the person yeah. I was dating at the time, I guess one of the searchers was like, "No one's ever thanked us," Aww. and I was like, "Well, that's nice." And like, I don't remember anything I said, and I don't remember feeling it necessarily. And, and yeah, I'm I'm glad I thanked them, but it didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I yeah, it was odd. And then once they, but once you know, there was nothing to bury. My dad always wanted to be cremated, but it did feel it was very adult. And ever yeah. since then, I felt just more adult. I guess. Yeah, right? It kind of makes you a fully realized 
adult yeah. human where you're like, oh, I've dealt with that. That's a because you normally don't have to bury your parents until what you're in your fifties, something like that. Something like that. My so, aunt said that to me. She just looked at me and she goes, "You're too young for this." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." And then I remember not long, like a few years after that, I met a girl. She was a friend of someone I was hanging out with, and her dad had just died. And I was like, "How old are you?" And she goes, "27." I go, "You're way too fucking young for this." And she was like. <clears throat> no, I'm, and I was like, no, 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 and I just didn't let her. I didn't let her move. I was like, you're way too young for this, so give yeah. yourself a break. Well, imagine those poor people who lose their parents in their own childhoods. I My mean, therapist lost twelve. both her parents when she was like ten, oh. which is why she's the best therapist, right? Because she's seen some shit. Yeah, oh yeah. When I feel like I'm getting whiny, I'm like, you know, you dealt with some shit. She's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> like. Sometimes it, it stops being therapy and it, bec- it becomes like two friends commiserating. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, tell me about it. These fucking assholes with their alive parents. And you're like, <laughs> like, you're like yeah, no, totally. Spoiled, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, it, it does, I will say it does trim the fat out of life a little. Yeah. But it, it's, and it's changed the way I uh, can enjoy certain things, like certain music. You're a bunch of whiny people, like whining about girls or something. You're like, go talk to a different girl, pussy, or just like right. anything. Like I, right. I, I have no patience for any storytelling that are that's like writers writing about writing. Like if it's a, if it's a movie about a writer struggling, I'm like, will you shut the fuck up? Right. This the perils of being a creative. Yeah, something like that. I'm just blah, like, blah, blah. Yeah. it just yeah. it just they're like, you're like they're like something bad happened. You're like, who died? Nobody. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> then let's take it out of something bad happened and said something uh, troublesome occurred. <laughs> right. It's a minor bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I felt that way when I came back from Afghanistan the first time. Yeah. When you're like, uh, nothing's happening here in mm-hmm. this country. Don't worry about it. Yeah. The people that, yeah. that go do perform for the troops are always in like a... Yeah. It gives them a different perspective. They're always in like... They, they A, I notice, like doing stand-up way more a little after yeah. that. And, and they just are like, no one's shooting. These guys, these poor guys... You always hear those stories. I've never done it. Oh, total pussy. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I've been asked, and I was like, nope. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'll give you money. I'm like, can I give you money to hire someone else yeah. to, like, do that? But, like, when you hear about the dudes that are like, hey, can you just do a show for us real quick? We got to leave. And you do those, like, odd shows yeah. where, like, in a van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just make a bunch of guys laugh in an odd place because they are they don't have, they can't see you, and they have to go do a thing. Like, that's where you're like, wow. Like, that... Well, then your comedy becomes a tool. It it's a good morning Vietnam something. when he starts yeah. making the when he's yeah. making the guys laugh yeah. in the trucks and he's quietly weeping while he's fucking Robin Williams. Jesus mm. Christ! Oh, <laughs> shed him now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, what I've found about this process so far that's really frustrating and weird is like, like you have this horrible thing happen to you, and it's so horrible, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get through the bureaucracy of somebody's death because there's so much of that. And yeah. The just the 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 date like little things like I have to return m- my mother's keys to her apartment to mm-hmm. get the deposit on the place back. Yeah. I have to return the remote control for the parking lot. You're and, a dead person's personal assistant. Yeah, right now. yeah, yeah. And and the mail like yeah. I, I have to fucking write to all these people. And but the problem is, is like you're closing out someone's life while trying to lead this regular life. Yeah. And then that's the surreal part of grief is like, wait, I have this horrible thing happening, but I still have to take out the trash right now? Yeah, you want to get a pass. Yeah. You feel like you're, like, my house was pretty dirty. My house is still dirty. But my house was dirtier (laughs) for a while. And I don't think anyone said shit. Yeah. They were just like, yeah, let's just take him to dinner. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, I got, I remember 
once I started going to therapy, I can't tell you how many of my friends were like, thank God. Like, and, but, and, and a couple of friends of mine, they were like, you were tough. It was a little tough with you for a minute. Like a friend of mine, Max, who's one of my dearest friends, were like, it was a little tough with you for a minute to be around you sometimes because you would go dark. If we were like joking around, you would go dark in a way that was so dark. <laughs> it was like someone took a shit on the floor and no one knew what to do. Like you would, everyone would just kind of go silent. Like it was the kind of thing where you'd say something so fucked up that there's no answer to. So everyone just doesn't say anything. Well, yeah. And they just wait. Yeah, like what's that? He was like, you were, he was like, you were, you were tough. But I always thought I was just being funny. Like, and he was like, yeah, it was, it was a little weird there for a minute. He's like, you also look like you were dying. Like Mm -hmm. I was like super. I lost a ton of weight, and he was. He goes, you look like you had AIDS, and (laughs) he goes, and 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 like like a like a a ghost with AIDS, right? (laughs) Which is one of the stages of uh, grief. I'm sure you guys have heard this in school. I hope you learned this. What is it, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? Did you read this crap when you got I hear her dying? name all the time. She's super smart, right? <laughs> She's like a giant super smart person. Yeah, she wrote um, On Death and Dying, and okay. there's the five stages of grief that every human goes through and kind of works through. Like, there's denial and isolation, which I totally did, um, where you kind of just live... You're in such shock, it's so overwhelming, right. that you just act as though nothing's wrong yet, because you can't deal with it. Yeah. Totally did that. The making tons of jokes phase. Yeah, well, hey, it's fine. I'm fine. Dad's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anger. I almost went through that, or you're just angry about shit. Also, I chose like a target... Like I got really mad at my dad for like mm-hmm. all this stuff. I, that's, was like, I think that's really fault. common. Yeah. That was a weird thing. Like yeah. in therapy, I was talking about my dad as opposed to my mother for a while. Uh, bargaining. I'm not sure I understand that. If we only sought medical attention sooner. What is that Is that, that mean? bargaining? That just seems like guilt. <laughs> the like, I mean, I did that. Like I, w- I had been invited to go up to the their cabin that weekend. And I was like, if I was there... He w- he would have hung out with me instead of going on that hike. Oh, so that's bargaining. Yeah. If only I could have. If only we. If I wasn't. If I hadn't wanted to go to the comedy store that weekend to do spots like I normally do, I would have been there. It would have changed the timing of the whole situation, and he wouldn't have gone. Wouldn't got lost. Wouldn't be dead. Which I'm. I hate to be a bummer. Is mathematically 100 percent true. Right. And so you can be like, but Kevin, you don't know. I'm like eat a dick i definitely do know <laughs> because and i know what you're doing and but the fact is that's true and it's really sad <laughs> right but the but the the game makes you crazy if you keep going over yeah. in your head the what yeah. ifs makes reminds you... me of an episode of 21 jump street where <laughs> johnny depp's girlfriend gets murdered in a convenience store oh, no. and he had like six seconds there's a six second period so he becomes obsessed with that period of time and learns all the things he could do in that period of time like take your shoes off like put it like make a this do this like yeah you can't obsess over it, for sure. That's so scary. Did this lady invent this the stages? Yeah, she was the like, Kubler Ross. Yeah, now yeah, oh, she yeah, she's the one that I guess noticed these things and um, put them to paper. So then, stage four is depression. Durr. I, I tend to get there. Womp. <laughs> Duh. Why are you so upset, dummy? It's not like somebody died. Womp. Uh yeah, depression. I I go there because I don't often know. Like I was on this uh, baby moon with my husband, and um, I I get these compulsions to 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 do things. Baby moon? There, it's, it's just a week that you go fuck your husband and eat a lot. They call them baby moons now. It's like you take a vacation before the baby comes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's like a nice little week off. Nice. And um, 
like I was sitting there and I had the sudden urge to drink and eat and do drugs. And I was like, this feels familiar. What's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, obviously I can't, I'm pregnant. And, um, and then I, it occurred to me that there was a mother and daughter sitting next to me and they were totally normal and I could hear them talking. Yeah. And she was like, and then we're going to go to Colorado uh, this summer boy. and we're going to have the best time. And, I was, and in my head I was like, fuck you, fuck you and your yeah. normal life. And I had unconsciously been like, I can't deal with those feelings. I should eat something. I yeah. should want to drink something. Yeah. I should drug myself. Uh, yeah, because I just go straight to depression. I don't often acknowledge feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I go, yeah, I go straight to depression. I do, when I notice it, I'm like, why can't I make myself do anything <laughs> except look at tumblr <laughs> right, right. for 48 straight hours yeah it's like that i get jealous of um well a i i, I am fascinated by older men now so i if you're in your 60s you're in the late 60s i'm just like tell me things like because i don't <laughs> like i i like my my girlfriend's dad is about the right age so i'm just like what and then what and then what happened because I, I remember after my dad died my friend's dad he was like, there's some, a lot of stuff you're not going to know that your dad would have told you, so you can ask me. Oh, wow. And then he died. Oh, my God. oh for fuck's <laughs> sake. Yeah. God. Like a year later. Damn it. Yeah, but it was that. It's that old men know things that they tell younger. Your dad just tells you things. They're like, I can't. I mean, that's when I've had, like, I probably had breakdowns in my house when I'm like, my lawnmower broke or I didn't know how to turn. I didn't know where the gas valve was or where the, the circuit breaker yes. was or things it's like dad that. Stuff. Dad stuff where you'd call your dad and he'd be like side of the house. You flip <laughs> the switch like this, flip them all and then you turn them back off and you don't know that stuff. Yeah. I mean, thank God for YouTube. It's everyone's dad. Yeah. yeah. But still you're just like motherfucker. Fuck. And, and just, that's when you, that's when you kind of let it out. Yeah. It's like, what do they say? Like a emotions, like a, it like a like rain on asphalt it like finds it finds the cracks mm. where it can get out like, yeah that's what happened to me i think with the that mother and daughter talking yeah and acting all normal and mm-hmm. i was like oh this feels sad yeah. yeah you're just like i'm never gonna get that yeah and you then see you, you go, see a guy hmm. like ah, you, you see someone complain like i go play golf with my dad you're like, <laughs> <laughs> i bet you fucking hate that you're like it's oh my little... dad's calling me again what a jerk <laughs> yeah you when you see someone like hit decline on a call from their parents <laughs> you're just like you know i mean i said that's what i yeah. fuck isn't making me i just got instantly sad but i remember saying to one of my friends he was like man i'm so sorry what can i do i was like go hang out with your dad yeah i just was like go go i go trust me i go literally listen to me right now go hang out with your dad i don't care how annoying you're gonna find it trust trust me yeah go hang out with him give him a call like take him to lunch fucking take him to a shooting range i don't like go be racist together i don't like i don't care (laughs) yeah go do something with them because you the numbers are what there there's a numbers game you play with yourself that is cruel and unyielding to where it's the amount the amount is the thing you can you can change your perception changes and i think your relationship to the grief can change and get more manageable my friend actually that that friend's dad lost a child and he told me, he goes, it doesn't get easier, it gets different. Mm. And you, it's like any, it's like managing a, in the same way, look at the program I'm in, I go to Al-Anon and, you know, they, it's like you learn what to do. They call it having intelligent feet. And so like when you get in a bad place, you have like, you pull out like an index card and you're like, do these four things and you feel mm. dopey doing them, but they work basically every time. What and, are the four things? Well, it's like relaxing? call your friend. 
You know, you make an, what they call an outreach call, and you call the mm-hmm. person, and you go, I'm feeling this, and they talk you through it, and I swear to God, every dumbass time, talking to someone you trust or, or have something in common with like that works every dumb time. Yeah, they tell you not to isolate when you lose somebody, when yeah. you're dealing with death. And that could be even like breaking up with someone, by the way. Breaking up with somebody or divorcing is a death. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I tend to isolate. That's where I feel best. So it's been a real struggle for me to reach out. I wonder if it's that you feel best or you don't feel like you're at least bothering anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, all of the above. Absolutely. It's safer for me. It's Mm -hmm. where I feel. You're like, yeah, yeah, I suck. But at least it's not like, it's like you shit your pants and you're like, no one else can smell it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this is like, a. I feel like it's a dumb question. But so seven years later, Mm -hmm. where are you with all this? You know, it's interesting because it doesn't come up as much anymore. It's a thing people know about me, but they they um, it comes up way way less. It's become a le- it's become less a part of my like one line description, which I'm I'm glad about because for a while it was like I I was, felt like I was being graded on a curve all the mm-hmm. time, especially in stand up or anything. It'd be like no matter how bad you fucked up, it's like he's yeah, just <laughs> like do you or know you what feel, happened to him? You think so? You think yeah. people treated you differently? For real, yeah. I was handled with kid gloves for a little while. Yeah. And I understand that, and it's it's really nice and s- that they had that sympathy for me. But after a while, you want to just feel normal and be one of the one of the people, yeah. one of the comics, one of the people that are getting judged by the same criteria. <laughs> you right. know, just like hey, we're all assholes, just being assholes, and we like everyone else. Yeah. But the like, yeah, I don't want to feel like I killed, like that guy killed for a guy with a frozen dad. Like that's, right. I don't want to be that. Right. So now it's 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 a thing that comes up less. But the so that's better. I am probably. 10 or 20% better at dealing with it. Like, I know it comes up less in therapy. I've been bombing in therapy lately because I'm I, my life is, like, pretty decent. Like, I go in there, and I'm, like, the, an annoying... That's how I know I'm, like, happier. I'm pretty annoying to my therapist, I can tell. Yeah. Where she's like, okay, let's... So what I think you're saying is she's <laughs> struggling to find shit a lot of the time. Yeah. Where, I mean, I, I'll That's go in so there true. and yammer. Just bomb. Yeah. And so I think... Well, maybe I can't put my finger on feeling better if I look at the facts of the situation. I am better, for sure. And that's just from going to therapy once a week and going to Al-Anon meetings for the last two years, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And do you still have dark days? Are there days where you wake up and you're just like, I don't know why I feel this way and this is Yeah, because I don't think that stuff, it's not like it doesn't, you don't notice it right away. Like that stuff kind of cooks for a minute. So like something happens three days prior and then, and then on the Thursday you're like, why do I feel terrible? And it's like, I mean, I, it's been explained to me by people that aren't me. And I don't know how much I believe it that I, that I, that a friend of mine's like, you're kind of a trauma survivor. Yeah. Like what you went through was traumatic. And so a lot of times the triggers aren't obvious to you. Mm -hmm. And so they take a minute. And it's like, they're like, oh no, something happened on Monday and it kind of spiraled for a minute and then it it kind of colored everything you went through for those three days and then it took hold. Yes. It's like getting a cold. Yes. Where you're like, I had a throat tickle on Tuesday and then Thursday yes. you're like, God damn it. Yeah. And it's because I flew on that flight and there's a guy next to me who called. Yeah. Yeah. The things take a minute to gestate. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I mean, I am, I think a little, the tiniest bit better at dealing with it. I still really struggle with being vulnerable with the people that love me. And telling him the truth. Of course. I just, I'm not great at it. And I don't know if this, as a man, I don't buy it. There's a part of me that still doesn't buy it as a thing you do in a relationship. Like, I don't think 
the person the people i'm the person i'm dating really wants to see me be 100 percent honest about the things i'm afraid of because you want to look to the other person i think whether it's i guess male or female for a certain sense of stability whereas if you're like on a, any the problem with depression is it makes you it makes me so inherently negative when it really takes hold is it's like hey i can look someone in the eye and be like just so you know nothing works out and mean it and they're just like oh <laughs> like <laughs> like what do you i can right. say things that there is nothing to do with and there's no argument with cuz they're so inherently negative that it's just like okay i should leave like not leave yeah. you but like i should leave you to this for a minute you need a moment. Yeah, just like I don't, I don't, I don't want to because my because the fears I get into in those moments aren't rational. Yeah. It's so why reacting. share them? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, here's my case. I think culturally you're right. I think that men are conditioned to not show their vulnerability to their partners. Right. I know my husband had a problem with it. He didn't confide in me his fears for years. Yeah. You know, it took a long time until he trusted me and we you know we have a trust so maybe that's just a your horrible societal conditioning that tells you that guys aren't allowed to 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 be perceived as quote weak which you're just a human being right everyone's terrified of the same stuff more or less i hope um wait i wrote something down ah fuck now i forgot what i was gonna say to you god damn it was it about Rusted Root? It is about Rusted Root. I love that band. I'm going to go I'm gonna download everything they have. Download the song. You don't need the album. <laughs> but you find that you get funky and then you kind of, it sounds like you push people away so that you can yeah. get into it. Well, because guilt is mine. The, the toughest thing I have, a, the, the toughest thing for me to process is guilt. Mm. So I feel like as long as I'm only hurting myself, there's at least no collateral damage. So you feel guilty uh, expressing your stuff. Being a bummer, person. Being a bummer. I'm being like, not fun. <laughs> being not like enjoyable to be around. Not be, you know, just being like a lump who doesn't want to do oh, anything. Oh yeah, I used to have that too. Because my parents, if I if I wasn't singing and dancing and being positive and fun, I would just get ignored a lot. Which yeah. is why I'm a comic. And um, yeah, but you know what though? Personally, for me, when I tell my husband, like, dude, I'm I'm in something. Like, I just feel like it's fucking dark today. Like, I'm having like a depressed day about my mother. Just saying that to him and him going, I get it. I totally, okay. You know, yeah. you want to go get some frozen yogurt? I'm like, yeah, let's go fucking eat something. You <laughs> yeah. know, and, and having yeah. somebody to confide that and have that person really just acknowledge your pain and not have to fix it because yeah. you can't. See, I, I have the sense that I am wrong about this. I just haven't. <laughs> I don't know if you're wrong. I mean, no, I think strokes. probably I am. And if you listen to anybody who thinks about this shit way more than I do, and is like a professional, they will tell me that I'm de- like super wrong. My therapist tells me I'm wrong about this, but I haven't yet conquered that particular fear of being rejected for the things I'm afraid of. Yeah. Because it, I don't know. I want to be stable and like, I want to be perceived as stable and someone you can depend on. I'm codependent, so I love being dependent on. I love helping. But the irony being that when it, the times that you really need to be vulnerable and really need to cleave to somebody, you push them away. Yeah. Thus reinforcing maybe some unconscious belief that you're not worthy or maybe you're afraid of getting too close because you've lost uh, such part of, someone you, close to you. Also, There you go. I'm a therapist. You did it. Pay me $120. <laughs> it's 185 Is it 185 for you? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I mean, I have insurance, so it's God not as bad. Damn. But okay. yeah, she's very good. Oh, I mean, when she told me one. her price was going up, I was like, yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> I had no problem with it. But, <laughs> but like I... Uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I. It's like I just don't want to. I'm just yeah. lazy about it. Sure. And I think uh, part of it is because I'm a little. I, I think it's almost a byproduct of being a little happier. To where I'm like, ah, now everything's fine. I don't want. Let, let's not do that. We don't have to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I want. I want to. I want to just like go get ice cream. Yeah. If someone was like, you want to go get ice cream? I'd be like, you fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> it really fixes everything. Yogurt land. I've, I, I say, I've said this about ice cream before. It's never lost. <laughs> it is undefeated. Yeah, it's the best. Toppings. Ba- like I'll fuck up flavors. a Baskin Robbins all day, homie. All day. <laughs> it's the best. It's, and it's so dumb that like little things like that are useful. But like, yeah, when you see people getting ice cream, you're like, look at those geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> On it, like I remember, I like this is for John. It was a Troy Aikman. Yeah, Troy Aikman, and he was talking. You know, it was the Sunday game. And it was Joe Buck and him, and Joe Buck sucks. And I, but like, Joe Buck goes, yeah, there were the game was in Dallas. He's like, yeah, we're in Dallas, so we went over to Troy's house. I think Joe, Joe Buck stayed at Troy's house while they, which is so adorable. The two millionaires, like, he didn't want, like, nah, stay with me, don't waste the hotel or whatever. <laughs> don't spend money. Yeah, don't spend money. So like, uh, he's like, so he's like, yeah, we had a real good day. I went out for ice cream with Troy and the girls, <laughs> like his daughters. And Troy, Troy Aikman goes, if it's Sunday and we're in Dallas. <laughs> We're getting ice cream. And I was like, you cute son of a bitch. Yeah. I almost bought an Aikman jersey. It's like, you adorable motherfucker. You take your daughters for ice cream every Sunday when it's you're in the town. Best. You're like, that is, everyone who sees you is like, look at that genius. Yeah. Look at that football icon genius. Yeah. Over there getting ice cream with, like, just licking a cone as he yeah. walks out, like, God damn it, this place is good. <laughs> like, it's so great. There's nothing that sucks about it. You're right. I, yeah. I get hot fudge Sundays too if I'm feeling God. extra naughty. I even like the McDonald's kind. Straight up old school trashy. I'm tired of people being mad at McDonald's. This is Caparilla a bit, but like, I'm tired of people. I'm tired of people being. <laughs> it's like, remember McDonald's was fun? Yeah, that's totally his voice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good shit. No, it is, and it's, it's, it's interesting that like the hugest problems in life are sometimes solvable by the tiniest steps. Yes. It's so, it's so silly that like, it's like you realize that your existential funk about the inherent unfairness of the universe will be solved by a scoop of mint chip <laughs> in a waffle cone, you moron. Yeah. <laughs> leave, and it's, it's like, it's so simple. Like, leave your house. Yeah, yes. And that's what I was going to say. Sometimes we don't do those little things that you know, if you just fucking do it, you're going to yeah. be okay for today. Like, just, like, Dr. Laura, I do listen to her sometimes no. in my car. I know. I don't agree with everything she says. She's deeply homophobic and whatever. <laughs> right wing. Uh, but she says, um, you know, you can't, don't be guided by your feelings all the time. Sometimes you just have to do yeah. the stuff you're supposed that's, to that's, do. That's, they say that in my program all the time. It's oh, really? Intelligent feet. Well, they, feelings aren't facts. You got to get into this program. I like it's it. good, man. Yeah. I mean, it's as silly as you feel sometimes. It is, that has, hel- I, it has helped me immeasurably. Wait, so number one, you said is to reach out. Yeah, you call, you make an outreach call, you call one of your friends. Okay. And leaving the house is big. I sometimes don't do that. No, leaving the house. I order Amazon house, packages. I wait for them to come. The house. I buy skateboard stickers. <laughs> oh, yeah? At like two in the morning. <laughs> I'm having, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm buying a lot of things from my youth. Yeah, that's fun. No, you got to do that. But they're cheap. Do it. Skateboard. Do it. You get a sticker pack for five bucks and it shows up four days later and you're Stoked. like, holy shit. You're in the Bones Brigade, bro? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I stay in the Bones Brigade. I've never not been in. I joined when I was 11, and I stay in it. Okay. Who's your Who's your favorite skateboarder? Ever? Mm-hmm. I, hmm. You know, it sounds so hacky to say Tony Hawk, Tony? but like, I definitely waited in line when I was 11 to get his autograph at the Val Surf in North Hollywood. Wow. And he he kept the sport afloat with that video game. And you know what's great about him? He knows he's the nerd that everyone makes yes. fun of. But he quietly is like, look, I also have the responsibility of being the Michael Jordan. So I'm oh, cor- yeah. I have to be corny. I have to do the Bagel Bites commercial. And he, he literally, his video game and that 900 kept the sport afloat for when it was uh, completely depressed. I recommend you see the documentary All This Mayhem. I've seen it. It's and a little how inaccurate. About, how do you feel about the, the 900 and, and like, the Pappas Brothers Here's doing it before? Here's about the Pappas Brothers. <laughs> a lot of people, um, Danny Way landed a 900 with his hand down before Tony Hawk. It's not the point. The point is this. The Pappas brothers were two raging drug addicts. Yes. And true. ESPN is a network that wants to make money. And the X Games were new at that point. And you have to realize, at the thing they, they failed to acknowledge in that documentary is skateboarding was dead as fuck. Mm. You know in the part where they're like, we were for this big company. That wasn't a big company. The company that the guy owned before he started the company that sponsored them was big. That depre- the skating in the 90s, especially vert skating, was dead as fuck. No one gave a shit about vert contest. The only vert contest was in the X Games, and no one's going to care about it. Motocross was bigger in the X Games then. So they needed the most... If you're a guy at the X Games, you're like, well, we heard there's two guys are going to do this trick. Who do you think smarter to have do it? The guy who's been dependable and a, and a voice for skateboarding for close to 20 years already... Or those two Australian drug addicts over there. The one just took a shit on the ground and threw a broken bottle at someone. And we haven't even seen him land it. But it wasn't. It was not fair that the the Pappas brothers were, weren't allowed. They weren't even allowed to compete. Like well, what did they tell you know them? what? A lot of times they don't. Sh- those guys didn't show up to contests, and when they did, they would just lay on the deck. <laughs> And look, you know, uh, fine. Some of the contests he shouldn't have won. When he's like, when he's like, yes. he doesn't even flip as bad. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I, I get it. it. Totally, he's right. Because yeah. I'm my friend. I'm friends with this pro, Ed Templeton, and he talked about when he was like, probably about. I think he was only like 19. He was he went to Europe and kind of ran the table of these street contests. And one of them, he said, was in Germany. He was beating a legend. This guy, Christian Asoy. Yeah, I like Christian Asoy. Oh, he's great. And he he was like they gave us they had it be both of us won the contest. He's like if because if I, no one knew who I was, if I had to beat Christian Soy, the people in Germany who came to see Christian Soy won would have burnt the stadium down. Mm. So, in a, it was a business decision. And like, in if you look how the Pappas brothers led the rest of their life, I feel like the ESPN made the right call. I know they were, but bad. they were rad. I remember. I, I mean. Them. I remember they were rad dudes, and and the, I had their videos. I had all the four one ones with the Pappas brothers, and you know I was that that I noticed in that documentary the level of skaters being interviewed about them is not there weren't that many luminaries of the sport because those guys were dickheads yeah. that were impossible to deal with, yeah. and their companies were like yeah they were rad, but like. Dude, they're kind of jerks. These like that guy. Yeah. Th- they broke, like they crushed the window of my car, and they like stole yeah. all this shit. And like, <clears throat> so yeah, that I mean, it's that's like saying it's like yeah, Michael Vick was at one point really fast at running, but he killed all those dogs. <laughs> they're a couple of Bergens, but I like that they were underdogs. I like, uh, you know, they came from shit, and they really yeah. they came to America as teenagers. Yeah. And well, everyone crushed hates game. on Tony Hawk. 
Yeah. Because his dad ran was the... Was the, the fucking association, yeah. whatever. So he Tony Hawk was kind of like the golden... He was ushered into that whole industry. He was, he was, but like at the... Four. But he was, but at the same time, he was also shit on constantly by the cool kids of the sport. Of course. The Tony Alvas, all the Dogtown guys. Because he wasn't cool. He, was he wasn't cool, but he was a nerd. fucking genius on a skateboard. Yeah. I mean, he's the ner- who's the nerd of comedy that's also great? I could that you say it. I won't say it out loud. I'll say it off mic, who I think the Tony Hawk is. Oh, the, t- the Tony Hawk. comedy, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what, I mean, okay, someone... <laughs> I think he's proficient, but I don't think that he is. he doesn't feel the skating. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's technically good, like the Pappas brothers were saying, but I, not listen, I'm, I'm no expert Tony on Hawk, and he'll say, he said, it, I've listened to tons of interviews with him, and he'll say, he's like, all I cared about was tricks, making yeah. up tricks. Whereas if you look at style and the kind of lifestyle of skateboarding, he's not that guy. No. But also, the problem with the lifestyle of skateboarding is it's similar to the lifestyle of punk where it I agree. creates a lot of alcoholics Trouble, whose lives drugs. end terribly. Yeah. Yes, yes, it yes. Has a, the problem, it, it tends to glorify things that are real cute when you're in your 20s. Yeah. But like all, if you notice the pattern of a lot of those guys... They burn out. They For start sure. a punk band no one cares about. For sure, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, you're kind of just a bunch of old grizzled alcoholics that are not many of them end up do, staying cool and influential and interesting. The yeah. ones that stay that way, you can count on two hands. So Tony's basically the businessman. He did it smart. He's really fucking Well, he didn't really have a choice because he was never going to be cool. No. They weren't going to let him be cool. Dude, there's some documentary I watched on Netflix about the Bones Brigade. That's the only reason I know. Oh, I'm, I watched. I'm, I wept. I, I know. I watched it and cried. I was watching with someone who was oh, much younger good. than me. And I said to her, I go, you don't understand. This is my entire youth. Oh. I mean, I was. if you look at the history of skateboarding, what I was into was kind of the corporate like the Bones Brigade was considered yes, corporate. They were like the nerds. They were in bed by eight. They yeah, were eating ice cream. But I love those guys because A, the board graphics to me were really rad. They're totally cool. So I totally. Was, that's why they kind of got me. And yeah. it was this perfect little unit that you could be like, I like the Bones Brigade. So you liked five persons at once. You were like, I like Tommy Grail's street skating. It was just made it easier to digest as a dumbass kid. Mm. Yeah. But I did I when I look back on my youth, I wasn't into cool shit. <laughs> I was into like the stuff that was like adjacent to cool. My brother was in cooler shit than, into cooler shit than me. He liked like cool music, whereas I was just like, this DJ Jazzy Jeff Fresh Prince song is great. <laughs> well, that's the difference between Bones Brigade and the other guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the like, Alva Street team was like these yeah. gnarly dudes, but like none of them are still in skating. Like some of them, Tony Alva sort of is, but like you'd think, especially when you look at the dog, the Dogtown Z Boys documentary, yeah. you would think Alva would still be a big company that has a great team. It and super, be. It it's not. Be. Yeah, it should be, but it's he not. has no team. He he reissues boards, and you can they're hard to find. And he's this fucking legend. And you're like, no, he did part of the corporate thing a little wrong. Well, yeah, these guys, you have to understand. I mean, you do understand that they're street thugs. There's there's street yeah. thugs versus the privileged kids, and that's what it is for me. It's a class distinction thing. Yeah, same in comedy. Up river, down river. Yep. There's there's fucking street people, and then there's yeah. bougie people whose mommies and daddies paid their rent yeah. while they got to do open mics. Yeah. Uh, never had to come up the hard way. Okay, let's get out of skateboarding though. So, <laughs> what's number three on the steps so people know what to do? So oh. number one is reach out. Yeah. Number two is leave your house. Leave your fucking. Well, house. in my program, it's go to a meeting. Go yeah, you just go. That's the like. It's go to a meeting, because then you sit in a room. I I've said I feel so safe in a room full of strangers that have similar problems as me. Yeah, I would too. No one is going to hurt you because they're too busy hurting themselves. And yeah. you just and you get a sense of who has it worse than you, and you get a sense of who has it similar to you. Mm. 
and 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 you you're like oh you and me are the same so much comfort in that. The first time I ever, like, one of the first meetings I went to, I just I listened to a guy, and he was nerdy. He was, he was the leader of the meeting, and he goes, he goes, my parents just sort of ignored me, and I was like, oh god, like it was, like, I was like, oh, here we go, like you know, when you fall, you're like going down, like yeah. it was like that. Yeah. He was like, I felt just like invisible and ignored, and I was like, uh, uh, like, and it someone similar to you, yeah, helps a lot because yeah. it's it it makes it so you can't be isolated. Because wait, that person's just like me, and so you you if you start saying to yourself like, uh, "No one gets this," you you know that's not true because you're literally in a room with someone who gets it better than anyone. You don't even know them. Yeah, I gotta join this group. Super gotta, helpful. There's got to be somewhere with children of schizophrenic crazy people. Uh, there's tons. I know. I, I know. I'm just bad at this. Okay. So also, the Al-Anon is kind of a catch-all. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's just people that had tr- have trouble. Just shitty childhoods. Just trouble. Just Not even have to have a shitty childhood. I don't even think my childhood is shitty, but I just have trouble with certain parts of life. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Alana. <laughs> yeah. So number three. Go to a meeting and then work the steps. And then the steps. We've done we've done an episode, if you're interested, on the 12 steps with Andy Haynes. Oh, cool. Yeah, we talked about the 12 steps. And then, um, so number five on this Kubler-Ross scale, which kind of is nice because we're going to wrap this show up, is acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. From the French word acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. (laughs) Acceptance. Acceptance. I don't don't think you ever get over it. Uh, You don't get over it entirely, but you've accepted the facts. Yeah. You're no longer... There was a guy in a meeting who said the best thing. He goes, I want to congratulate all of you. You've lost. (laughs) Right. He goes, you failed. He goes, that's why you're here. He goes, but you know, the nice thing is you don't have to keep fighting that fight anymore. You can start. He goes, now you can start over. He goes, but just know you lost a little. He goes, you all lost, and isn't it great? Because now it's done. It's yeah. done. He's like, you're here, which means you realize you lost subconsciously or not, and now you get to start over, and that's good. And we were all like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you efficient son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, because until you acknowledge what you've lost and grieve for it properly, you're always in this weird holding pattern. It's the part in Goodwill Hunting when, when Rob Moon's like, you know it's not your fault, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And he's like, no, no, no. You know it's not your fault, right? And he keeps, and you see him being like, he hadn't acknowledged it. Right. And he wants to blame himself. And as he starts to acknowledge it, he goes to pieces. Is that, you know, I don't know that I've completely acknowledged it yet. Like, you know that wasn't your fault. Yeah. And there's still a part of me that's like, yeah, yeah, I know, but like, uh, there's a but at the end of every sentence of w- me talking about that stuff. But how, why do we blame ourselves? Why do I blame, you know, because I do have that thing of like, if only I had tried harder to get her into help, if only, if only. And it's The like, saying, I've heard it, it, it's an AA saying, is I'm the piece of shit the universe revolves around. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> is it's in, there's an inherent narcissism to it. It's like, sure. it's a little bit of ego and a little bit of self-hatred like mix like Ooh. i had to cause i had to have caused it because i'm so important but you can't look at your life if you can't make yourself the most important person in the universe if you're not like a bajillionaire so you're like oh i must just be an important piece of shit oh right i'm not a good important person i'm a bad i'm a, I'm a piece super of villain ooh well, that's man. what i always think everyone walking around in their own head they're like i matter I matter. And the, uh, the really scary parts of lives is when you... It, it, a friend of mine actually says it's freeing. Is when I start to... When I get depressed, I start to really look at the reasons I don't matter. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, if I died right now, no one would fucking... Life yeah. would go on and maybe even be a little faster. Well, you might get your name up on the comedy store marquee. Oh, rest in... I might get a Make God Laugh. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be kind of nice. Like, I, re- I actually realized that years ago that when I die... They'll put my name on the comedy well, store for, marquee. For sure, for a, at least one or two shows. <laughs> and then, well, no, it goes up early because they open it, but then they put someone's name. So <laughs> they put someone's <laughs> name right after me. <laughs> and you'll get a lot of sympathy on Twitter. That's my favorite is when somebody dies and then you have to show your support on social yeah, media for the yeah, death. Yeah. I really loved uh, Wes Craven. And yeah. you're like, what are you, what I are you try doing? And I never... If I never say a personal, ex- I try and I do that sometimes. Who, who uh, uh, Jelzenik has a good bit about that, where he's like, you know what, that's someone saying, don't forget me. Like oh. it's just and and it's sad, but I don't know. People want to. There's a commonality to grief. People want to feel a thing with people. That's yes, when you see people yes, at their yes. best. Sadly, it's like right after nine eleven, New Yorkers yeah. were a unit of like well-meaning people who are working together at once it's it's sort of amazing yeah and and that's what i think people want to be like hey can we stop caring about bullshit for a second and acknowledge friday the 13th was dope and like this guy was great and like it's a commonality people that's the problem humans aren't supposed to be isolated Mm. we're not we're we're supposed to be together the problem is there are way too many people so the notion of togetherness is overwhelming because we're all packed and it seems shitty but we're not we're we're a communal species right it's just now it's too yeah we're it's too overwhelming because there's too many of us but we're at our best when we're with other people and working together to do things so true that's when you feel the best is when you're part of like it's it's so dumb but like you feel pretty good when you're part of a team and things are going the way they should yeah like when you're if it like when you're on like like a Saturday at the comedy store, the the crowd was great. I don't feel like God. I was the I was so great. You're like, dude, that lineup was great, and like that show was fun. Mm-hmm. We all did great. Mm-hmm. Like everyone killing. You're like, dude, we, that was fucking fun as shit. Mm-hmm. You killed. I killed. No one bombed. No one feels bad. Yeah. You're like everyone crushed. Mm-hmm. It's that it is. I think people feel better when they're part of a group, a community, some. Kind. But it's so hard to find a group that where that works. Yeah, you have to find people with similar dysfunctions, I think. Yeah. That's Chelsea really... Peretti said something smart on Twitter. She sometimes has people just ask her questions. And they were like, how do you like work, like uh, not feel like shitty about life in the world? She was like, focus on the similarities, not the differences. Hmm. It's very simple. Yeah, I like that too. It's like when you, you, you've, you've found a way to listen to Dr. Laura, despite <laughs> probably disagreeing with 60% of what's actually in her brain. Yes. But you're like, you know... It's like I I have an odd even though I think she's monstrous I have an odd respect for Ann Coulter because she's so, so prepared yeah well she, yeah she's but she's so she's so she's so in her convictions and that's fine too and she and, I don't even that doesn't I don't respect someone who's in their convictions when they're wrong but she shows up ready to she's ready to fight <laughs> you could wake her up and she will debate you in the middle of the night like you could you could rustle Go, Ann, Ann Coulter yeah, out of bed up. and be like immigration she'd be like fuck you you want to know why like she is ready to go all the time she doesn't get put like they ambushed her once and had like john edwards wife call him and call her alive on the air and they were like do you want to talk to her? she goes yeah go ahead just like bring it bitch i will talk to you right now like you want to tell me to do something i'll tell you to go fuck yourself I'll, i've ele- by the way 11 reasons why you're wrong because i stayed up at night like <laughs> i don't think that lady sleeps a lot no she's making notes because yeah. she's getting it from all sides all the time she's like you want to fight let's do this and but I'm, that's you but know. then you realize that's just an archetype like that's a personality we're all just personality types yeah same blood same source whatever 
different different suit of yeah. meat meat clothes, and yeah, that's yeah. The, her the, type of the meat comedian clothes. version of her is that person that's always working on their special, even yeah. though they're not near famous. You're like, no one cares about this dude. Yeah. Like you're just burning an hour, but okay, yeah, go for it, bro. Keep spinning those wheels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, oh, but I was gonna say, I think the big takeaway is to reach out also and. And I don't, this culture, and I admit when your father died, I didn't really know you mm. as well as I know you now. And right. it was a weird thing where do I acknowledge this when I see somebody who's, we all know is grieving? Yeah. What's the, you know, and I, and I think it's weird when people don't, I think, I think it's even more bizarro when people don't say to me like, Oh, Hey, you know, I heard about your mom. Yeah. But then you're like, well, we're just going to ignore this. Like, it kind of makes it worse. I mean, in the beginning, I asked people not to. I was like, don't fucking email me. Do not tweet me about yeah. this because I'm not ready to read emails about My this. My friend Mahondra did that. She told a bunch of people we were working with. She goes, leave them alone. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, because you're just <laughs> yeah. in shock and you're not ready to yeah. to tell people the story yeah. of your of your thing. Um but um, yeah, but but would you agree to say something to somebody? It's nice some time to past? feel like people care. I remember the like the first night I went back to the comedy store after they stopped the search, and I like that Saturday I went to go do stand up. I remember like everyone just like like Dove Davidoff came up to me in tears. Hmm. Like Ahmed Ahmed was just like, "Come here, man!" Like in and like Brad Ernst was like, "My dad died." Like I remember all those moments. Yeah, I mean, I felt very weird and kind of like abnormal and kind of odd in that situation because I knew everyone knew, and I just come back and. But I remember all those moments. I barely knew. I barely knew Dove. I I hadn't known him very long, but his dad was dead, mm. and you know, you you find out from you find those people come to you quick. Yeah. Those dudes, the dudes come up to you and they're like, hey. And older men, too, were just like, hey, you all right? Like my friend my friend Kim from high school, her dad, I went to a birthday party for like their kid. And her dad, her dad saw me. I walked in the party, saw me, rolled right up to him. was like, hey, man, you all right? That's cool. And he was like, do you, uh, he's like, so you good? You need anything? Because he was just like, I'm an older man. Mm-hmm. I know what this is. I don't know what he'd been through. He didn't explain to me. He's just like, how's it going, man? You all right? Just like I've been through this, I'm now very I'm as adult as you're about to be, and like I know you're confused. You don't know where your ass is right now. Yeah, and that I remember all that stuff, and it's it's the only silver lining to it is w- watching, seeing how human people can get, can be, mm-hmm. and how willing they are to like admit a thing they went through and kind of say it to you. It is yeah. when you see people be that nice. He's like, oh man, we're not all dickheads talking about Facebook on stage. Right. You know, it's just like, it made me just think of people better. People are, people are basically good. I hope so. I think so too. If you give them a chance, they're just basically good. I don't think they're all smart, but I think they're pretty good. No, and a lot of reasons they're dumb aren't even their fault. It's not their fault they got born to mercury in the water. Dummies, yeah. Yeah, this fucking two dummies made another dummy. They didn't have a chance. Two assholes met at a TGI Fridays and fucking... Yeah. That domino was already pushed. Yeah. (laughs) I got to tell you, I took a maternity tour yesterday of our hospital, and I'd say out of the 10 couples we walked around with, five should Mm -hmm. have kids. And the other ones, just on sight alone, just on the mouth breathing, Mm -hmm. on the, the... too much Dodgers apparel and yeah, you're just like outfit. you didn't plan this, and nope. you should have stopped it. Shouldn't have done that. The nope. painted on eyebrow girl, like definitely, you don't get to have a kid. Well, if you can't pick out clothes for yourself, <laughs> yeah, you, how are you going to do with schools? You're going to get your life. I just, yeah, I mean, I have a 
<laughs> we live in a world where every mistake is criticized unless it's a baby. <laughs> which <laughs> That's is true. Not, I mean, it's not always a blessed event. No, and not everybody should have children all the time. No, but it's... My dad used to say, he goes, you know, the thing about sex is it's free. <laughs> At least while you're having it. <laughs> there you go. And you, and you know what that is, Kevin? Let's see, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you um, so much. Is there anything? I'm sorry, I should have asked you at the top of the show. Uh, is there anything you care to plug? Uh, just my podcast with Nick Youssef. It's called Occasionally Awesome. Uh, it's on all things comedy, and we're on. Uh, we talk about stuff. We take and a lot of. We take field trips. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Where do, Where are you going? Uh, we. I think uh, the county fair's on right now. I've never oh been. My God, it's my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be terrible. That's why I dread having a child is to go to things like county fairs. Yeah, we went to CatCon. We've gone to the Hello Kitty convention. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> We're trying to go to things that are weird to us, and 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 then talk about how. And they. Uh, by the way, they always end up not being that weird. And you're like, I get it. I get why people yeah. are into this. It seemed cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Masters of Sex. Oh I'm yeah. Still enjoying you. I I love that you're married now on that show. And yeah. Season. We're family. almost done with season three. And uh, we've got a few apps left. I get so excited when I see you on an episode. I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> I know it. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. So watch Kevin Christie. Listen to his uh, podcast. Go see him do stand-up. He's always at the store. Yep. Uh, mostly every weekend. Mm-hmm. Every weekend. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. Thank and for um, thanks me. for sharing your, your horrible story. <laughs> 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 All right, bros. Until next week. See you later. Bye. This mug is... Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with... Philosophize with... Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.